Good to have you with us. I'm your host, Phil Howe, and you're listening to the Scripture Union Northern Ireland podcast. In season three, we're unleashing our online sessions called Times Like These, where we wanted to be a voice, provide conversations and discussion, provide training, advice and resources for anyone involved in schools ministry, church life, those working with children, young people and families. And we thought we should bring these to the podcast world. If you want to watch these instead and haven't had the chance, then head to Scripture Union NI on Facebook or on our YouTube channel, and you'll find them, the Times Like These playlist available there. And this session is about church as family and family as church. Family discipleship, family ministry, that's what we're going to be thinking about. And I said before, if you hear any language around commenting or putting things in the chat, you can um, just discount those. However, if you want to give us a review on iTunes and comment there, that would be fantastic and really help us out. Uh, obviously, family ministry has taken more of a central stage, especially during the first lockdown. Uh, and what has that taught us and what is helpful in the now? I loved having this conversation, uh, so very strangely I'm going to hand over to myself uh, to set the scene for you, and we hope this really helps you out in times like these. Enjoy. Welcome to our third online session in our Times Like These series. This time we're going to be focusing on the church's family and family as church, chatting about family discipleship, what we're learning as a church and about the potential of failing or flourishing, hopefully, uh, as family. Our first session was about connecting with schools through assemblies. And last time we were thinking about SU in the new normal. Uh, and just to let you know that they are free to use. So let me encourage you, if you haven't already, go back and check those out or possibly signpost someone to those. And you can do that through our Facebook page or YouTube channel. Simply search Scripture Union NI. In today's session, I'm going to be having a conversation with a man named Ed. And I'll let him introduce himself in just a second. But also uh, coming up, we're going to be hearing from some Northern Irish uh, church workers and their learning uh, what they're offering in terms of advice for parents and church workers in times like these. Now, the reason for calling this session Church as Family and Family as Church uh, is because, because of a course that I did uh, during lockdown with a guy called Timothy Paul Jones. And I love this idea uh, that from the Bible, looking at uh, good key texts from chapter sixes, uh, Deuteronomy and Ephesians, uh, we see that God has called parents to take responsibility for the Christian formation of their children, but also that generations need one another. And this is where we get this idea of intergenerational ministry uh, from, or as a guy called Terry Williams from SU Australia terms, intergenerational ministry, uh, because relationship is so important in all of this. And, and also just to stretch our thinking that there's a difference between multi-generational and intergenerational. It's the difference between shuffle and the shuffle button and the repeat button. Uh, we want an intergenerational, not just in separate ages. Um, and this idea of discipleship, it's a combination of direction and affection. And certainly in the current climate that we're in, how do we move from putting on attractional events, which seem to be the norm, to creating attractional communities, even in our own homes? This idea even that hospitality in our neighborhoods can be something that we can bring. See, the language in the Bible describes our relationship with God in different ways. And one way that relationship is described is like a child resembling a parent. We're, we're made in his image. So this family theme is important in the Bible. See, church is family, and that's how we're made to relate to one another. But family is church. You know, think of a... Think of a family reunion, different ages, different stages. If everyone was between the ages of 21 to 25, I'd think it'd be a pretty weird family. Even biblical language of the households of faith, you know, Ephesians 2, 14 to 22. And then this idea of family as church, you know, that the home is rehearsal for what God has called us to do in the church. Uh, one of the guys that I've been talking to recently said that they did communion with their kids and it taught them over time when to be quiet, when to reflect, when to pray. And you're teaching habits that are shown then whenever the church meets as family. Martin Luther said that the home is a school for character, context for rehearsal. And if there's things that you want to see in the church, then one of the best ways is to get people to practice that in the home. You know, we don't want people to put on a fake mask, speaking of masks, uh, but having homes where the gospel is authentically practiced and modeled. You know, one example of that is just being able to say sorry. Where one mom that I know left their oldest daughter upstairs with their youngest, the youngest stuck the shower on and was trying to create a scene from The Little Mermaid. And whenever the mum came up, she got really angry with the, the older daughter. But she realized, actually, she shouldn't have left her old, older daughter in charge. And so she apologized to her. You know, we, we want to model that idea of grace. We want to model that idea of forgiveness. We want to model authentic gospel living. So church is family and family is church. Hopefully that gives it a bit of a context and, and setting the scene. 
Now, you may wonder why earlier I said uh, about hearing from Northern Irish church workers, uh, and that's because you're about to hear from an English accent. Isn't that right, Ed? Very, very English. Sorry about that. Oh, please don't apologise. Um, Ed, can you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are and what you do? Yes, uh, my name is Ed Drew. I'm the director of an organisation called Faith in Kids, uh, and we exist, there you go, to support churches and parents in raising children to trust in Jesus Christ eternally. So I guess our sweet spot, it wonderfully, exactly as you say, is how can we help parents and churches to partner together in raising children? So, you know, your introduction to this topic, I think, is our heartbeat which is, uh, I think parents normally think church will do most of it for them. And uh, that's not the Bible's way. And the data says it doesn't actually work that well either. Uh, We need parents to be enjoying showing their children Christ. Uh, That Martin Luther quote, for parents to get that their role is to be equipping their children for the day they are not there. Training them in the home for that day that parents probably most of the time don't really believe will ever exist, when their children will not just wash their own sheets and cook their own dinners, but will build friendships, reach their friends for Christ, will go to work praying that they might work hard for Christ that day, will walk into a church where they know no one, and say to themselves, I need to get to know people because church matters even when I know no one. Uh, Can we as parents be doing that normal day-to-day business intentionally for Jesus Christ? That's what Faith in Kids is about. That's what I do. Uh, I am married to Mary. We have three children aged between six and 13. So (laughs) I am am living the messy dream. Uh, And I live in Southwest London. Just to let you know that this recording today is going to be a crossover. So if you want to hear a slightly different and edited version, uh, then check out the Faith and Kids podcast. Or if you're listening to Faith and Kids, come and check this out through our YouTube channel, Scripture Union NI. So by way of a follow-up then, um, where did where did the idea of Faith and Kids come from? Uh, like all great ideas, it wasn't mine and it wasn't deliberate. Um, <laughs> I was working, I worked for 12 years for a great church in southwest London called Dundonald's Church, where when I arrived, we had about 50 children each Sunday. And when I left, we had about 200 children each Sunday. Uh, and that was the Lord's great providence. And I just hung on for the ride. Uh, and towards my the end of my time there, that sad time when I realised probably it was time for me to move on, that there was someone better than me who could disciple and grow these families more than I could. Uh, I I wondered, more and more people were saying to me, what is it you're doing? And you can only say awkwardly the normal stuff so many times before they want to go, come on, Ed, what, what is it actually that happens? So I was more and more answering people's questions, writing, giving people the resources we were writing. So Faith in Kids was born out of that simple idea, which is at the moment, I think churches are struggling not many churches feel confident in, in what to offer families. Not many churches are able to say, look, we're, we're doing the old story and we know how to reach families and we know how to support families. Now, I don't know all the answers to those questions, but I know some. So I'm trying to encourage churches that they can keep going. So I'm, I'm, we set up Faith in Kids. We're now an organisation of about eight. We're in year number four. Uh, we're growing. We're enjoying it. And um, we're really grateful to hear that for some churches, for some families, we are encouraging them to take steps. And have you always had a a heart for family ministry? No, no, I haven't. Uh, When I started working for a church too long ago to mention, the only children I'd met were my three nieces, my brother's three wonderful daughters. Uh, I'd never been a primary school teacher. I I didn't know any other children. Uh, And as part of my excellent training, I was given a class of five-year-olds with a very able woman. And dear Jenny, just I I was part of her class, really. And and I was amazed as Jenny taught the Bible to children in a way I hadn't had as a child. I just looked on. And then I had a go. And then slowly people said, Ed, you seem to be better at this than some. 
And, and so there was a moment when someone said, would you like to be our children's worker? And I said, yeah. I mean, it now makes sense to me. Uh, I now love it. And I, I think really what I was agreeing to was, would you, are you willing, Ed, to be taught by godly parents how to raise children to know Christ? That's what I agreed to. And that's what they did for me. Uh, and I think, I think it's true that the Lord gives us a heart and a passion for those he puts in our way. So I, I would say, you know, don't get hung up for too long on whether you're going to work with international students or students or teenagers or children or women or men or sportsmen. Who has God put in your way? I bet you're starting to love them. Let's do ministry with them. Phil, I would love to ask you, um, we are both involved in this lovely business of um, discipling, supporting families, churches. Now, it's always hard to sort of describe your own culture, but uh, through some wonderful Northern Irish friends I have, uh, it, it's clear to me that, that, that you have more of a sort of residual Christian culture and I think that, I mean, I, residual sounds like a, an unkind word. I think your churches probably still have a memory, are still more able to disciple families. Is that, are you able to speak into that a bit in that what you see as the, the culture in Northern Ireland and how that might support or hinder families? Yeah, I think Northern Ireland, yeah, it's quite a religious culture. You know, there's certain places in Northern Ireland that you could describe as the being part of the Bible Belt. Uh, and with that comes strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I guess one of the, the dangers is that we kind of take that for granted. We we assume too much. I think it was Don Carson who talks about only being three generations away from a forgetting generation. You know, it starts with the knowing generation, but you have to be very unassuming and very clear as you kind of share the gospel with, with, with the next generation. Because if you don't, then that's going to lead to an assuming generation that they're going to assume the gospel. They're probably going to take on the implications. But actually, you know, then it leads to a forgetting generation who focus on implications, but not actually the message, the good news of Jesus. And so there's a challenge to us, I think, particularly in this moment with church restrictions, that perhaps some of us, if we're honest, we need pushed in our sense of priorities. Um, like, don't, don't get me wrong. There, there are definitely legitimate reasons why some people won't go to church. But the cynical side of me fears that we aren't going to church, not because of restrictions, but because of our comfort. And, and, and I realize in chatting to, um, that it might be true across the water as well, but, but sometimes the push for, for family ministry can have the wrong definition of what you're pushing for. Certainly from another Northern perspective, sometimes it's a push towards polite children who know how to handle a church situation rather than a transformed child who knows how to handle their faith. You know, in Northern Ireland, there's a lot of uh, 2 Timothy 1, 5 testimonies. You know, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now also lives in you. I mean, it's a blessing, isn't it, to have Christian parents or even kind of a lineage of, of Christian heritage. But I guess we need to make sure that we allow children and young people to own their faith, is what I'd say. So not the faith of their parents, but actually that that personal faith and trust in Jesus. Um you know, from my own experience, sometimes there's a pressure to, to want to have a better story, a better story of how God's worked in our life. I remember one summer going to a summer mission, and you know, the person who, the people who they had sharing their testimonies, it seemed like, okay, so it means that I need to to be on drugs and get drunk loads and, and sleep with loads of girls before I can become, I can come to Jesus. Um, but it's actually, it's okay that we're, we're brought up in a Christian home. That is a blessing. Um, but it's about that opportunity, I think, to, to own that faith. Yeah, I was having a conversation about family ministry recently, and, and one of our interns told me about a friend of his who felt it was quite a, a harsh upbringing, possibly, in, in terms of Christianity, kind of big restrictions, lots of punishments for, for wrong things. And, and so at the first opportunity, that person left the church and so it's about that priority. What is the priority? Well, we, we want people to love Jesus. We want people to love the church and to, to give them that, that framework to, to understand the importance of all these things. And again, with the end goal, that they can own their faith. Uh, and then finally, to, to say there's probably more investment in terms of youth ministry over children's ministry. But with both of those things, there's, there's definitely a shift towards family ministry at the minute. I don't know if that's similar in England. I think it needs to be similar in England. I think one thing that um, lockdown has revealed is that if you like before lockdown, 
I think churches and families were tempted to believe Sunday school and youth ministry would do the job. Mm. But one hour a week was enough for a child to grow up passionate about Christ. And it's, you know, it's never been the case. If you read the story of Acts, they didn't believe in one hour a week to raise people to know Christ. So I, I think one effect of lockdown is whereas before our children, young people might have been happy to go to church because probably they knew they were going to be in a room with people who loved them and they knew really well. Yeah. Our churches are great. In lockdown, we're trying to say, come on, come in front of this screen. We're going to hear more about Jesus. And our kids are thinking, that doesn't sound appealing at all. <laughs> so, so what we've perhaps discovered is our children are passionate about their local church, but not quite so passionate about Jesus Christ. And uh, you raising children to own Jesus. Now, this is it, it, if you're passionate about your local church, and what, by that I just mean the people in it, that can be a form of religion. You know, every Sunday I'm going to go to these people I love. Now, people go to rugby for that reason. I used to play rugby very badly. I went to rugby club every week for the people. So we, we as parents... It's a question to keep asking yourself is, is my, are my, ch- uh, first of all, if they're still agreeing to go to church, mm. are they going because it's better than a rugby club or on a par with a rugby club? Because there might come a day when either they, they're bored of that church or they move away from that church and they're going to have to start to want to love it themselves. And then it's Jesus Christ, not the local church. In other words, you love Jesus Christ. So you love the local church. So mm. you want to be there. So, yeah, it's about getting that the right way around, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the reasons that I'm just so grateful to be able to have this conversation with you is something that I saw you do during lockdown. Do you want to tell people um, a bit about what that was? Yes. Look, uh, my life was turned upside down at the start of lockdown like everyone else's. And I thought that I'm always looking for opportunities for families to be opening the Bible together. And... Uh, uh, we had Joe Wick or Joe Wicks doing PE at nine o'clock. And um, I just thought, I get why this is happening. Yeah, that's it. It's because no one is taking their kids to school and no one is going to work. So we're all in our homes at nine. And so perhaps this is the time for family Bible times to kick off because mum or dad isn't running out the door. Mm. So... For what turned out to be 11 weeks, I really didn't think that would happen. But for 11 weeks, five days a week, Monday to Friday, I did 10-minute family Bible times on YouTube and Facebook Live. They're still there on on our YouTube channel, Faith in Kids. And I walked through the whole of Mark's gospel. There's no doubt I am the most grateful of all the people because I got to walk through Mark's gospel. I did it with Duplo men and women. I did it with uh, multicultural men and women, uh, you know, white, white kids, black kids, brown kids. You know, I had Duplo figures for the whole lot. I tried to say Jesus's story, Mark's gospel can be told to all ages in your home. And, and we, I was here, I, we kept going because people were encouraged. And I think the story of ministry, at my heart, I want to encourage families. So I don't think I would have needed many families to keep going. So each morning I was getting up too early. I was preparing a family Bible time. I took it downstairs to my own family, tried it out, and then took it upstairs and sat on my own in a study with play men feeling very strange. <laughs> the thin men would walk past outside. My window would be open. I'd be shouting about pigs running off cliffs. <laughs> Uh, but it was an encouraging time. I learned a lot, and some others say they learned with me. And I think what, what's also encouraging, though, is there's a picture, if I'm correct in saying, that your wife took of you with an open Bible with kids clamoring all over you. Yeah. And there's something, I think, where that that's what people want to see, though, isn't it? They're encouraged to know it's not clean cut. Everyone's not sitting around. Uh, they're not all wanting to pray. They're not all wanting to read the Bible. You know, that is massively encouraging. I think, you know, for me, is, as I read the Bible with my boys and, and they say, oh, I've got a question. And you think, brilliant. What, like, what is this GM, this golden GM they're going to bring to me? And, 
and they say, who's your favorite superhero, Batman or Superman? And you're like, that's not even what we're talking about. Um, but it's but that's okay because that happens everywhere. That That is real life as you try to minister to your family. Uh, I, th- I think I think it's a common misunderstanding that those people who are reading the Bible with their children sit politely around a table and it starts with one of the children saying, Daddy, I am ready to hear from your fountain of wisdom. Please start. And when you're done, just tell me because I'll just sit here all day if you don't. Uh, that, I, 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 my favourite story, I think the godliest family I know who, have, who who are really great at this. They have they have seven children. They told me there was a family Bible time where they sent one child out of the room for being naughty and then the next child, and they got down to just mum and dad. The whole family was sat on the steps outside and just mum and dad were doing the family Bible time on their own together. And I needed to hear that story, that that, that look... It's a pretty painful moment when you find yourself sending a child out the room during family Bible time. That really is a low point as a parent. You're excluding them from Jesus. But I, the point of the story is only to say, I don't, I don't believe there is a non-messy family Bible time. And that's that's encouraging, hopefully, for, for people to hear as they're listening. Um, as we're juggling with this issue of lockdown, we're coming in and out of different restrictions. It's hard to keep up uh, with what's happening. And um, what do you see as the biggest needs for family ministry at this present moment? Uh, I mean, I think the first thing to say is, is um, we're in a crisis. And... By crisis, I just mean the way it was working isn't working now. So uh, the, the first thing to say is it's okay, first of all, just to say we're not, we don't know what we're doing. And, we, and, and most of us are struggling to make things work. So now if you're back gathering with your church and church is looking more normal, then maybe you're back to normal. But for most of us, my, my, my home church hasn't yet met since March. So I think the first thing is for parents just to be able to say to one another, to say to each other, you don't have to be great at this. You don't have to know the answers. In fact, the Bible teaches to say it is in our weakness that Christ is made strong. It, this is the time to say, I don't know the answer and that's okay. I know my children are looking to me as a parent, but this is a good time to say to them, I don't know how this is going to happen, uh, but I do have a king on the throne. That's why I have a Messiah. And that's why you have a Messiah when dad doesn't know what to do. So I think the first thing to say is parents just need to be told Christ is on his throne. He is for you. He is in control. Instability is when we learn to trust him. Mm. And and in the affluent West, if there's money in your pocket, a roof over your head, you've got a job to go to and a school for your kids, you may go weeks, months, years without truly saying, Lord, have mercy on us. We, we don't know what we're doing and we don't know how to get through today. So that's the first thing. That was a long first thing. I'll get quicker. I just think the second thing is, is for parents and churches to be working harder than normal to say, how do we include children in the rhythm and pattern of Christian discipleship? So, for instance, my children are sat with me um, in the sermon each Sunday, and I don't think the sermon is that different to normal if we were in the room without the children. So for my children to get what's going on, I have to keep shouting over the vicar in my living room. Tom, listen to this bit. This is the illustration. Beth, quiet. He's going to explain the big idea. Or quick, rewind 20 seconds. He just told us the big way we're going to live this. And then at the end of the sermon, I I try and think of just one question that's going to help us work out how we're going to live this idea this week. Now, this is my job, sort of, to try and help families do this. So I think probably I'm a bit better at this than others. So I think we have to be trying to help one another with that. How do we, how do we help our children still meet Jesus Christ when we're 
when it's different and strange. Mm. So, Phil, it is actually exactly the same question for you. Just, just tell me, what do you see as the needs of families at the moment? I touched earlier on that issue of comfort, and I, I guess I do think that's a bit of an issue. But yeah, I love it of like the chaos breeds innovation, and we see loads of that from the church at the minute. Um, I do think it's a big learning moment. There's already, you know, starting to move to the, the realization that parents are vital in children's and youth ministry, um, where we've seen kind of youth ministry not really working out. Uh, and as we've hoped, you know, people are kind of shifting responsibility, possibly abdicating responsibility to the to the professionals. And with lockdown, God has said, these little people, they're your responsibility. And I think there's probably two stages. There's parents and extended families knowing that resp- knowing that responsibility. And then secondly, knowing what to do with that responsibility, Uh, because people may think, well, okay, I understand that family ministry as a parent, that's my role, but actually they probably feel that the church is better equipped to deal with it. Um, And the thing is, we're saturated with, with resources, but the biggest resource that a child needs is you. It's you opening up God's word and by his spirit, helping you as a family come to, to know him and love him. And I think there's a, there's a really hard balance probably at the minute because there's a, there's a, there's a sense of guilt. Parents possibly feel disconnected from church as well, particularly from Northern Ireland context. We probably don't have a good relationship with guilt uh, and sometimes how it's been used in terms of Christianity. But I was trying to say, you know, where, where the ideal isn't available, God's grace abounds. And I do think there's a, there's a hunger for more for, for families. There, I mean, in all of us, in truth, we, we see that there's, there's a hunger for, for church to go back to normal, whatever normal is, for, for us to be able to see people face to face. And I think that's, that's, it's right that we hunger more. We, we hunger for better. And I think that's, that's linked to, to have an eternity built in our hearts, knowing that, that in this world we have problems. The biggest problem is sin. And, and we hunger for eternity when, when God will usher in this new creation and everything will be made new and right. But right now it's a struggle and families feel that struggle, but, but there is hope. You know, Romans 15, 13, with God, there's always hope. Um, are you hopeful about the future, Ed? <laughs> Look, there, there you go. I'm never going to disagree with the Bible. Uh, so what you say is true, which is I'm hopeful about the future because I'm a Christian. I'm not hopeful about sort of lockdown. I'm not hopeful about COVID. I'm not hopeful about government decisions. I'm not hopeful about when I'll next be in an office. But I am hopeful that Jesus Christ has promised that the gates of hell will not overcome his church. Mm. And, um, and I, this is the moment for me to be telling my children that. Um, so that there are ways of telling our children, we are not delighted that we're doing online church again. Yeah. We are not delighted that, that we can't meet and have people in our homes as much as we'd like. Uh, but we are hopeful that the world may see more of their need of Jesus Christ when a pandemic stalks this land. And we are hopeful that Christ's church will be refined and shown more of him through this. But I have to say, it's, it's not easy being hopeful. I don't, see, I don't see the church in England going from strength to strength in this time. So we, we need to pray for our church leaders and we need to pray for our families. And... Um, seamless link there ed how what would your prayer be what would your prayer be for for families at this time I, I, we there is a there is a wonderful line running through this podcast which is uh that parents are plan a for their children and parents aren't feeling particularly strong and mighty right now so you know, there is, there, there could be, my prayer is this could be a sweet spot where parents discover they are plan A because the church is at a greater distance and they discover if they are plan A, they need Jesus Christ because they feel like plan Z. Mm. So if, if we, get, we come back to gather together as God's people and in that moment we celebrate the church more, we are clearer on our role as parents and we are more reliant on Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that would be a glorious day. 
That's my prayer. Phil, give us a Northern Irish prayer. <laughs> uh, just, I've only got the accent, I'm afraid. Uh, I don't know whether this is answering all of Northern Ireland. Um, but I guess just that we'd, we'd really um, ask ourselves, you know, what, what is our role as Christian parents? Where do we want to see our children in 10 years' time, 20 years' time in regards to Jesus? And so my prayer is probably there's, there is a bit of that that refocus, that shift in mentality, that that renewing of mind that may be different from culture that says, I need to invest, not just outsource uh, with my kids, mm-hmm. um, that would ask, what are the, the small things that we can do every day? What are the the holy habits, the rhythms of grace, the routines that we can get where we're chatting about Jesus and it's natural? Uh, and the line that I've been holding to is from the prayer that Jesus taught us, the Lord's Prayer, and it's the line, give us today our daily bread. I'm reminded um, of God's people in Exodus 16 and the manna from heaven and that daily need uh, to look to God to provide for our needs because right now it's really easy to think, well, what about next year and and what about two years' time? Actually, today, how, how do I get through today and that daily need, not just for me to turn to God, but actually for my kids? And also the church would, would see their part to play that regardless of if people have children or don't you know the saying is it takes a village to raise a child well it takes a church to raise a christian and so we've all got a part to play in god's family uh, so hopefully that tackles kind of both sides the, the church's family aspect but also uh, the family's church aspect uh, it's a it's a great time to be able to learn globally, uh, to hear from people just like yourself, Ed, from across the water. It's also good to hear f- from learning from our own local context. And so uh, we've asked a couple of local church workers to, to share their own learning at this time, what they've been offering their local church, advice for parents and other church leaders and volunteers during times like these. So check it out. Family. Probably the group of people who we have had some of the best times with over the past six months for sure but also likely some of the worst Hi everyone, uh, Steve McGall here. Uh, I'm the youth coordinator in First Ohako Presbyterian in Ballymena. And I'm going to be honest with you right from the off here. Uh, what I'm about to share is by no means a family ministry 101. I'm not about to give you all of the answers. In fact, I might actually raise some more questions. My name is Susie Taylor and I am the children's and family worker in Waringstown Presbyterian Church in Northern Ireland. I love my job because I get to teach children about Jesus. I mean, what a privilege. But I knew from day one that even if I was the best children's worker in the whole wide world, which I can assure you I am not, I was never going to be able to replace the impact that parents can have on their children's faith. How have times like these changed what and how you offer ministry to families of your church? I hadn't thought too much about family ministry in the past, but when lockdown came, well, I thought about what I could do to help my church family. And one of the things that came to my mind was, well, I could help equip them to spend time together in God's word as a family. I've really felt for kids during times like these because their social lives have been impacted massively. It's easy if you're a teen to keep in touch with people online, but kids, well, they don't really have the same opportunities or options. So I wanted to do something aimed at them, but that brought their family into it as well. I didn't do anything big. I simply used a great little family devotion uh, based on Easter called The Wonder of Easter. And I posted three things on a Tuesday and a Thursday. I posted a five minute devotional video that taught the main point of the Bible reading. Um, I then shared an image that had the reading, some questions, and then a prayer prompt. And finally, I gave some activity ideas that were linked to the passage. It might just have taken about 15 minutes to do together, but my hope was that it would give families a simple kind of structure that then they could take forward once the series was over. As a church, we also did a simplified version of our Holiday Bible Club online. It only lasted about 20 minutes, mainly because I'd heard from lots of parents that they were finding it hard to get their kids to focus when watching something. And so again, it involved just a few simple elements. Prayer, singing, a Bible reading and some teaching, a craft, and then a photo challenge. Now, the photo challenge was great because it involved kids getting their parents to take the picture for them, and then they had to send it to me. And I really like the idea of kids having to ask for help and therefore opening up a conversation with their parents about what they'd been learning from God's word. 
right before lockdown happened, we were about to run an event called Faith at Home and we decided to cancel that because it was just getting a bit too risky to meet together. Wow, six months on and Faith at Home was not a training event, it was literally reality because there was no other option than Faith at Home. We made YouTube videos and sent those out to our families and they were really intentionally made that families would sit down and watch those together as opposed to a video that parents could stick on for their children and leave them to it. There was opportunities throughout those videos to pause and ask, discussion, ask questions, pause and um, play a game, pause and pray together and lots of opportunities to praise God together as well. From those videos, um, we um, wonderfully saw six children that we know of coming to faith, asking Jesus into their heart. And a big part of that, I know, was that because they were sitting with their parents in a comfortable and safe environment, and while God was speaking to them and working in their mind, they could turn to somebody who they love and trust and ask those questions. How do I become a Christian? Mom, are you a Christian? What does that really mean? How do I ask Jesus into my heart? Those questions that might be um, going round in their head as they sit in our programmes on a Sunday morning, but possibly by the time they have had some juice and biscuits and ran around the hall and chased their friends and then driven home, have gone out of their heads again. And so what a wonderful opportunity for our parents to um, witness their children coming to faith, be a part of that and um, to worship together as a family. As we have progressed through lockdown and as we have started to phase back into church, we're being really intentional still in faith at home. We are doing a whole church curriculum at the minute in Waringstown. That's something we try to do as often as possible. We're from the youngest to the oldest on a Sunday morning receive the same teaching, the same key point, the same key passage um, and they take that into their week with them. Okay, yes, it's delivered differently um, to each age group but we send out resources then throughout the week that our families can take on board and can help um, to apply this, to continue the discussion, to pray together throughout the week. One of the most wonderful things that we are um, discovering here in Waringstown is that the family is the ultimate life group or small group or home group or whatever you choose to call it. It's the perfect group of people to open God's word together, to worship together, to help each other in their struggles, to encourage and spur on one another in faith. Yes, our parents are passing on faith to our children, but our children can equip and help um, and inspire and encourage and challenge our parents to live this out as well. Some of those big truths that we teach on a Sunday, our children can often naturally take them and apply them to their lives um, and can challenge our parents as they do so. What are the biggest things you've learned about family ministry during times like these? And what advice would you give to parents as they seek to minister to their families? First of all, I would say it doesn't need to be complicated. I talked with four families about family ministry in order to share some thoughts today. And what they all told me was that what they did was never too long. In fact, my friends Mark and Jen from Scotland suggest that the principle of one minute for each year old the kids are. So you'd spend around six minutes with a six-year-old. They also had similar elements and structures for their family time. They led the Bible, they talked about it, they prayed, and often they would sing. Secondly, I would say regular small stuff is better than sporadic big things. An article on Ligonier Ministries website quoted a guy called William Gouge, who once said, A nail that at one blow barely enters with many blows is knocked all the way in. In other words, repetition and daily rhythm will make a big difference in the long haul. To quote my friends Mark and Jen again, they said, It's so important to make sure that it's part of your everyday time together, but don't put so much pressure on it that it isn't fun or enjoyable and natural. Keep it short and snappy at first, especially if kids are young. 
There's also a sense in which the best advice to give would be give things a go. Don't be scared to fail and don't expect it to work all of the time. Just be faithful. My friend Chris, he said this, just do it and don't be afraid to fail. Try a resource, try a time and a routine. And if it doesn't work, try again and try something different. Find what works for your clan and go with it. So long as there is an opportunity to engage with God through his word, well, then we're on the right track. And remember, most of all, it's about relationships. No time with a child is ever wasted if we're present with them. Even listening to their never-ending stories that interrupt your great theological presentation are opportunities to learn more about what makes them tick. We must win the hearts of our children first and foremost. When children know that we care about them, then they'll care about what we know. Thirdly, I would say look for those everyday teachable moments. My friend Dave said, my advice to other parents is to look for teachable moments throughout life to teach our children that God is part of everything we do. Chris, well, he added to this idea and he said, on our good days, we'll use what happens in our everyday lives to cement the truth that we learn. For example, we may look to see where the gospel is in Fireman Sam, or we may get the boys to think about why their behavior was good or bad and where God's grace applies. We try our best to be prayerful and look for opportunities, but we're still learning and it often feels we get it more wrong than we do right. In other words, instead of trying to add in lots of extra stuff, maybe you can think about the opportunities that are already there. Maybe you could sing during some car journeys. Maybe you could pray before or after dinner. Maybe you could read the Bible before bed. Maybe you could pick up on the storylines of the things that they're watching on TV. Maybe you can listen to the things they tell you about school and link it to faith and Christian living. And finally, don't underestimate kids. We had a family in church whose primary age kids tuned into our youth week over lockdown. Uh, we were doing talks on Gideon and they really engaged with the teaching, even though it was aimed at teenagers. My friend Dave, well, he also told me about how his six-year-old daughter is reading through the Old Testament with him, just using a normal NIV Bible, and they're having some really good conversations about it. Don't keep things super simple if you think your family have a hunger for more. And if you are a parent, can I just encourage you to be praying for your children, to be taking every opportunity possible, to not be neglecting faith because church is maybe not an option at the minute, but to be really seeking to do that in the home. Please, please do something. It would be impossible for me to start giving practical examples for every family in every church congregation. Please do get in touch with me if you would like to chat to me more. I'll stick my email in this video. But what works for my families in my context might not work for your context and might work for one family, but might not work for the rest. And so please um, consider each of your families as you um, prepare your sermons, as you um, plan for the week ahead and parents please um, be always thinking about how you can pass on your faith to your child. What an exciting opportunity that we have that maybe we have some more time on our hands at the minute as well. We're not running here, there and everywhere. Let's take this opportunity to open the Bible, to pray together, to worship together and to grow in faith together. And the final question from Phil, any advice to church leaders or volunteers who might be watching as they seek to minister to families? Well, again, taking feedback from the families I've been talking to, I think we as church leaders can do two things. First of all, we can teach. We can teach the importance of family worship and the chief responsibility that parents and family have in the spiritual nourishment of a child. And secondly, we can equip we can equip families to fulfill their God-given responsibility by sharing stories of what families are doing, modeling what it might look like for them, sharing ideas and resources. In fact, just the other day, the new catalogue from the Good Book Company came through our door and I'm already looking at, at books and resources in here that I might want to begin sharing with my church family over the next couple of months. And I should add, other book companies are available. 
I really hope some of that has been helpful. I hope it's encouraged you maybe to give some things a go. But most of all, I want you to know that we believe uh, that God's word is living and active. So anytime we open his word up, we can be sure that his spirit is going to be at work. If you are a um, church leader or worker um, listening at the minute, can I just encourage you to always have um, faith at home on your radar to be thinking, right, how can our children and our parents do this this week? How can I really encourage our parents and equip our parents to help their children do this this week? Thanks so much to, to Stephen and Susie. And I also heard from another couple of people who have shared ideas and resources. So I thought it would be good just to share this point. And a big thank you to people who were happy to share. I know from my own experience that the word connection has been really key. Uh, how do we connect with children? Uh, I know for us, we're going to be sending a letter from a leader just to a child to say hello. I mean, who, who doesn't love getting post, right? Uh, but other ways to stay connected are by having challenges for, for people to share uh, videos and, and, and photos. People love seeing people that they know. It helps them to be able to engage better with material as well. Uh, and then whenever we meet in person, how do we keep that connection going and not just make the children feel that they're an accessory at church, but actually an integral part? You know, people need resources, but the local church provides that sense of relationship. Uh, some churches have had online meetings for families each week, while others engage families and serve in the community through food bank collections, messages of hope. Uh, I've heard of families on the floor, church services, so just a lot more relaxed, no chairs, that uh, provides more space, doesn't it? But again, it's just that thinking outside the box. Even a chalk walk, so around the church, is a, looks a bit like hopscotch, I guess, but there's an activity or a prayer activity at each square, uh, or people trying muddy church, not messy church, um, but muddy church, other families, you know, getting recordings of families of all types doing actions to songs and putting that together for a big action video. Or churches creating Pinterest pages for families to be able to, to see ideas. I know we're talking a lot about family and focusing on kids, but there are those big kids, the older generation who need help and consideration, not um, just some dwell on because of the focus of, of, of what we're talking about right now. But I did hear of a church who sent out gifts and activity packs to, to older people who possibly don't have internet connection. So do you include CDs of prayers or Bible readings, puzzles, stories written by members of their church, some gifts, kind of hand wash, chocolate, a plant, you know, and all those things are very much appreciated. Uh, from a more individual family perspective, uh, here to stay, here to, the number two, stay. It started as a collaboration of Christian organizations in Australia. And you can check it out at heretostay.org.au. Uh, it has some great challenges in terms of two foundational principles and eight formational pillars. And if you want to see what those are, then you can check those out. Um, but they've also produced chat mats, which are to be used at mealtimes to help you explore the Christian faith together. Care for the Family is an organization which is really helpful uh, and informative in terms of family ministry. They have the, the Kitchen Table Project, which is a movement of mums, dads and carers who want to inspire faith at last in their children. And so there's some practical help, but maybe you're actually at the stage where people just need to be inspired in their roles as parents. So they've also got a session called Inspire, uh, which is just a, a really easy to run small group discussion to start that idea of thinking and, and to realize the responsibility that we have as parents. Some apps out there, there's a table talk app. Again, it's that idea of how do you, how do you ask questions and, and get good discussion going. There's the parent Q app. Um, it just cues you to have simple and meaningful faith moments with your kid that, that fits seamlessly into the daily rhythm of, of your life. Uh, there's parentingforfaith.org, uh, which is linked with the Bible Reading Fellowship, but you can check that out. And then at SUNI, uh, we have two family devotion resources. So we've got a seven session one on one another verses in scripture. And we've also got five on the Lord's Prayer. So as I've said before, there's plenty of resources out there. But the biggest resource that we want to push is you. And we know that so many people have stepped up in terms of, of what to offer families, possibly even stepped out in terms of their comfort zone, being putting themselves in front of a camera and feeling that they have to be a children's entertainer. Uh, but perhaps you've been doing some things. Uh, you've, you've watched some things yourself. Uh, this is your chance in the comments section to, to put down maybe what you've shared or, or what you've been involved in. But wait, there's more. Uh, what about Faith and Kids, Ed? Uh, what are, what's your kind of focus? What's your priorities at this stage? Uh, well, uh, we have just come out of a period of doing a lot of podcasts. Uh, so uh, we have a, if you go to Faith in Kids on your podcast provider, you'll find that we have two podcasts. One is called Faith in Parents 
and one is called Faith in Kids, to the Faith in Parents podcast, which this is crossing over into, uh, is encouragement for those families we're trying to reach, support and inspire. And then the Faith in Kids podcast is the whole family listens to it together, 15 minutes, there's a Bible story, there's a sketch, there's some fun facts, there's some questions and there's a song. So we reckon in a, in a car, 15 minutes, when you've got some energy and the conversation might last another quarter of an hour afterwards. Uh, I would say start there. Uh, also, uh, we have a website, faithinkids.org, a YouTube page. Uh, at the moment, we're busy on Christmas. We're busy thinking about what, it, what would it take for our churches to be offering something better for families. So my fear is we'll look at what we did last year and we will offer a socially distanced, singing-less, carol-less version, which I think will be very sad and disappointing. So we're trying to think of what could we do. So we've uh, got five ideas we're writing resources for, we're training people for them. Car park carols, partner with your local supermarket, Car, uh, carols on your corner. What would it take to run a mini carol service in your road outdoors? And the one I loved, the one I loved was to do with the, the nativity, you know, the yes. kind of walking nativity. A walk through nativity in a field, maybe in your church hall, but I'm not sure that's even allowed anymore. Four or five stations, one for Mary and Joseph, one for Bethlehem, one for the shepherds, one for the wise men. Uh, have someone wonderful from your church dress up uh, and tell the story of Christmas. Uh, hammer some nails with Joseph. Uh, barbecue some marshmallows with the shepherds. Uh, make it immersive. Get kids running around. Get kids remembering. Create memories for families. This Christmas could be the most Jesus-centered Christmas your church has ever had. It's a good encouragement to check that out. That's a that's a good sell. And um, I realise that a lot of the focus has been towards Christian families, as we assume those who are kind of listening or checking out this video, um, that that's who that's who the target audience is. But what would you say to parents who know non-Christian parents and want to help them use this opportunity? I think the first thing is we we've got to love them. Uh, I I uh, when I talk to the teenagers in our church. I noticed that for a lot of them, their mates from school didn't drop them one message during lockdown, but it was their mates from church who did. I, I think that's a powerful story, that it could be in lockdown. It is the Christians who are still looking outwards and are just seeking to love their neighbours. Uh, my kids, my son got into baking. He's, he's a 10-year-old boy, but if he's got chocolate in, he bakes. So we got into the habit of dropping chocolate muffins off to our neighbours. Uh, I, I and you know, Does that have your waistline because you yeah, to, probably much. terrible. <laughs> and I, I, I've never made him wash his hands so much. I thought if we're <laughs> responsible for spreading COVID up and down our road, I'll never be able to look him in the eye. But um, you know, will we come out of COVID? And for once, we won't be the hypocrites and we won't be the judgmental folk. We'll be the ones who delivered brownies. And maybe when we come up with that invitation to car park carols, they'll say, yeah, this year I will. Uh, so I, I, I think we have hope. We have hope and we have joy. And uh, don't feel guilty if you're struggling for it, but you do have it. So uh, I, I think this is a chance. <laughs> we have what everyone else needs. Yeah, love it, love it. And that's just encouraging to hear. Hopefully it is an encouragement um, to people. And speaking of that, do you have any encouragements for people who put out resources? I don't know about you, kind of, we're probably quite similar that you um, you put out video sessions or podcasts and it's very difficult to know who's engaging. And so people maybe are doing this for the first time and they're not quite sure. Um, any any encouragements for, for that? Yes. First of all, speak of Jesus offer hope and joy. And if one person is encouraged, it's enough. If you're listening and you're encouraged and you're listening to Phil's podcast in Northern Ireland or anywhere, send Phil an email <laughs> and just say, I'm a human. I listened. I'm encouraged. Thank you. Uh, it's a, it is a lot like throwing resources out of your window, throwing books, throwing podcasts, throwing videos out your window. 
You have no idea where they'll land. You have no idea if they'll land. Will they be just taken away with the wind, never to be seen again? So we, we are, if we get an email a week, it's enough for us to keep going. The email a week matters far more than financial donations. An email that says, we give thanks to the Lord for what you're doing. My son jumped up and down when he heard that. You know, whatever it is, tell us what it was. Just send us one of those. Send Phil one of those. Yeah, no, no one ever um, comes home from a day feeling over-encouraged. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's that's fair. Yeah, how do we encourage each other in these times, particularly people who are? Uh, maybe you've been checking out other family resources. Do get in touch with those people and do encourage them. That's a, that's a great tip. And what other top tips um, do you have? I, I know uh, in terms of kind of, I guess I've realized it's probably more in the small things. That, that's something that stood out for me. Uh, and I remember hearing you actually on another podcast. And one of the things you talked about, and it's something so simple, but just the idea of just play Christian music, you know, where you can, Christian kids' music. Um, play, it, play it loud, play it often, because um, yeah. it does stick in, in people's heads. Is there any other small things like that? Kind of how do we yeah. help? What are the top tips in the small moments? I think probably I, I would just differentiate by age. So if you have under fives, it's chaos. I know that. So particularly for under fives, have a Christian CD in the car, a Christian CD in the kitchen. Just keep playing Christian music. Uh, Pray before meals and open the Bible before bed. So for under fives, just just keep doing it. Keep doing it. They're they're noticing, they're watching. Well done. Uh, I think fives to elevens. I think here, uh, let's... Let's shout a bit less and explain a bit more. So fives to elevens, they are now independent and they don't necessarily do what we ask. So we normally resort just to shouting louder or worse. You know, I I don't know what your default setting is. So for fives to elevens, let's just take a moment to explain. Take a moment to ask them a question. You know, tell me what you're feeling at the moment. And it might be an hour later, you know, when the heat is gone, the, co- the conflict is forgotten. Just take a moment, not, you don't have to do it every hour, but occasionally just let's talk through that. How are you feeling? How did it go? Is, is there something from the Bible that helps you and I to work out how that could have gone differently? You, you talked about apologizing you might end up apologizing, but pray to finish. Over 13s, over 11s, my top tip here would be allow them to express doubt, allow them to express questions, allow them to express anger. The research says our teenagers are still watching you. They might be angry. They might have slammed their door. They might be refusing to go to church. They're still watching. What will you say when they're angry? Will you listen to them? Will you forgive them? Will you give them another chance? Will you love them? So allow them to ask their questions. Allow them to say, I don't get it. Ask them to say, you know, do you get this? Do you believe this? Uh, Let them do more of the talking. Keep the conversation going. And I know how hard it is because you're thinking panic. It's all going off the rails. Just keep talking even when it's discouraging, even when they're not expressing faith, keep listening to them. Yeah, I was listening to a talk from Tim Keller who was kind of sharing that type of idea, you know, as a pastor, again, it's that expectation that everything's going well and there's no issues. Um, But actually, whenever it comes to, you know, they start to question whether they should even be going to church, you know, having those conversations and being allowed to be honest and, um, yeah, going on that journey with them. Yeah, it's really, really important. Um, well, that's been uh, some discussion. Uh, we've talked a lot about a lot. Uh, hopefully you're able to, to join in that discussion through the chat function uh, by getting in touch with Scripture Union and I or Faith and Kids, uh, by continuing these conversations in your own local church context, uh, your own local church family, and in your own family. And we hope this has helped uh, as we seek to to allow and help people to, to flourish as Christian families. Ed, a massive thank you to you. I really appreciate your time, your heart, your wisdom into this subject matter. Um, and join us next time 
which will be Wednesday the 11th of November as we think about chaplaincy. Pastoral care seems to be a big one on the agenda for schools. And so how can the local church and Christians think about some principles and practicalities in terms of chaplaincy work? Uh, Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, God bless. Thanks so much to you for listening. And next time we will have a focus on the four threads of chaplaincy, which are... Actually, do you know what? I'm not going to tell you the, the four threads of chaplaincy. I'll just leave that as a teaser so you come back next time. But we're dealing with chaplaincy, looking at some of the principles and practicalities to explore as we think of new ways to support schools in times like these. Until next time, God bless.